Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. The holiday season is upon us with the NFL in full stride, plus the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for all pro and college sports. And it's not just the big four. Bet Online is info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport from mixed martial arts to international soccer head to bet online today and remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit state of state is presented by bet online where the game starts also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA before it runs out for the season. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Hi and welcome everybody to State of State. I'm Tom Hannafin, joined by Justin King, as always, and by Joe DeLeon. He, Joe DeLeon, you can check out on the Rafino and Joe show, which over the last three months has done half a million downloads plus. So he's absolutely worth checking out in terms of college football. The reason we've all hopped on here on a Thursday night at the last moment is because Penn State has finally hired a new offensive coordinator. His name is Andy Kotelnicki from Kansas. This is certainly one that I would say is not a name that was on a lot of people's radars from a national perspective. Not too much chatter about him. And Joe, that's why you're here. And we're very grateful to have you here. So Joe, if you could shed some light on what Nikki is all about. Yeah, so first of all, I, I have to say it's a little disappointing seeing uh, Nikki end up at Penn State because I, as a Notre Dame fan, I was really hoping for, and this is how I inevitably ended up diving deep on him and that possibility of him maybe being Notre Dame's next offensive coordinator, maybe somebody that Notre Dame could get for uh, a cheaper price than what they tried to get for uh, Andy Ludwig last off offseason. But anyone who's been paying attention to Big 12 football knows that Kotelnicki has been uh, one of the quietly, one of the best offensive coordinators in college football. And he is incredibly, incredibly creative. The big staple here for him that he talks about a ton, it's RPOs. And we know that that's a really common fad in college football, that decision to put defenses in a, a spot where they have to decide what they want to do. They have to decide on 
what they're going to react to on a given play. It's something that has worked well, and he embraces it fully to an extent that we saw a team that historically is not very good, that is not very competitive, was one of the best offenses in the country and in the Big 12. The one thing about Kotal Nicky that I think is really interesting is his path to get to Kansas and now ultimately to get to the Big Ten with Penn State. And I think there's a lot of people that naturally are like, well, he's a Big 12 guy. There's a, not a lot of defense that's played in that league at this point. They're averaging about 34 points per game. Penn State averaged 37 points per game. So it's, naturally there's some c comparisons made. But, Joe, the one thing that's been really interesting is his rise and going from the University of Buffalo and before that Wisconsin-Whitewater, which for those who don't know is basically – dominated the division three football scene for the longest time so i get it apples to oranges but still the one thing that consistently comes up about him as you just touched on is creativity multiplicity within his offense and be able being able to be adaptable to what his personnel is and i think the initial fear that i had looking at what he was able to do at kansas was well you got some very mobile quarterbacks you have a brilliant athlete in jalen daniels who was in and out of the lineup this year but at the same time i'm like looking at penn state I'm like bo perbula fits that package drew aller does not but to hear the fact that he is a collaborative coach the fact that he will take what is given to him is very encouraging and Justin, I think the thing that really jumps out to me, and Joe and I were talking about this before we first hopped on here, is that James Franklin has said in the last two weeks under the co-offensive coordinator era of this season is that there's been more collaboration than before, not saying it explicitly, but under Mike Yersich. That is one thing that I have heard consistently in the last few hours looking into this guy is that Kotelnicki is willing to listen to input and that seems to be a high priority for James Franklin. You've worked for Franklin. What do you feel about this fit? Um, to be completely honest, I, I mean, it's a, it, time will tell, right? I think that's where I fit with all coaching hires. I'm not super familiar with them from a personal standpoint. So when we, I mean, I understand his offense is similar to Brandon Marion's go-go offense out in UNLV and just how they move it. I mean, using the two bags, he's very creative. I like all those things. I mean, and a lot of people can coach in football. My thing where it comes um, just to his path or how I feel about it, I guess I look at, we just talk about talent acquisition, right? Like where coaches come from at their previous stops and the type of players that they have to essentially get the best out of, right? We say when a coach does more with less, I don't necessarily put too much value on that because it's, it's very different to drive a Camry than it is to drive a Ferrari. Like some guys can like really whip Camrys and you can motivate them different ways. You can do a lot of different things. You got guys where they don't have anywhere else to play. This is their last shot. And so like the motivation and even how you're dealing with players is a little different. This is nothing to do again to his football acumen, his offensive um, standpoint. But I think some of the areas and where Penn State, we just talk about that offensive coordinator that attracts the type of talent that we're looking for. I mean, Time will tell, but I like the offensive scheme that he runs. Uh, it, he reminds me, his his uh, ascension reminds me of like that old Chip Kelly, like when he came from like the D3 up and he kind of got players. But the one thing that he did when he got the Oregon and got the, he had players, he had uh, Marcus Mariota, he had like, and that was always uh, a, a facade about his time at Oregon that it was all about Chip Kelly. And I was like, well, he had crazy players around him so anytime we get a coach with 
the creative tag and the innovation tag, I just kind of pump my brakes because I know it always comes back down to players. Even when Urban Meyer was coming out of Utah, he still had Alex Smith that went number one overall. Like we can go through the list of different guys where they had their players. I haven't seen them have a player yet, but I like what he's been able to do at Kansas and it'd be interesting to see how he fits in with the culture at Penn State in the talent acquisition process. Well, and I think one thing that's really important too that that's exciting about Kotelnicki is that you're talking about all these other offensive gurus that had all these tremendous athletes that they used. I look at the fact that if we broke down just from an NFL draft perspective, the prospects that are in this offense, Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean, frankly, are, are probably not going to be anything more than UDFAs or day three picks if they even get those opportunities. Most of their offensive linemen are going to be late to UDFA quality offensive linemen. Their tight ends were tremendously productive, and we know that Penn State does a great job of recruiting tight ends. They're used in this offense often, often and neither of those guys are, are again, big-name draft prospects. The only guy that comes to mind in that group is Devin Neal, who is probably going to be uh, somewhere on a day-two pick. The fact that he was able to produce, I think, with just average to below-average level talent and the difficulties of being able to recruit is why this could be really promising. The flip side of that is we don't know what it's like when Kotelnicki is going to be coaching a team that's got the caliber of athletes that Penn State can attract. But I just focus solely on what held back Penn State this past year is they weren't able to get production out of their receivers. They just they just weren't. And even though they, they've got a number of recruits that they've brought in that were highly sought after, a number of transfer portal guys that they brought in that were highly sought after that didn't step up to the plate, you got to get creative and you got to find uh, get other ways to you know get your athletes in space and, and pick up those yards. So one thing that you pointed out is, I mean, he did have a lot of production with the players that he had, like you said, a couple of undrafted free agents. So what I was to clarify what I was, my point was within the recruiting process, what happens when coaches have success acquiring talent that way, sometimes they de-emphasize the value of getting top end players because they're used to succeeding with players that are a little like right here. And so it's like, they don't necessarily see the special athletes that can do it because they had to get creative. I don't know if you ever random somebody. I always like to go back to Manda, but you random somebody in Madden and it's like, Hey, I can play with anybody because <laughs> I'm that good of a player. I don't have to just pick this team that has these type of players. It's just a different mentality that I've run across when dealing with coaches that have to get creative with lesser players. Sometimes they don't mm. value those special players, which I think Penn State has to continue to value. And I'm not saying that he does that. It's just talking about a profile of a coach coming right. up and through the ranks. That's all. Joe, and you touched on a little bit, Penn State, great tight end room, obviously very exciting running backs, offensive line, could use a little love, but I think the belief in the building surrounding Phil Troutwine and the recruiting that Penn State has done at offensive line is that the guys who are about to step in for – the assumed departed Olu Fashanu and Caden Wallace also out there. I think Sal Wormley could potentially go. And also Hunter Norzad's eligibility is done. So you're going to have to replace a good amount of this offensive line. But wide receiver is the glaring issue. And then let's not just gloss over Drew Aller. Uh, Joe, this was a challenging year for Drew Aller. So if you're him and you're sitting back and you're seeing this signing, this hire right before the transfer portal opens, how should Drew Aller potentially interpret this hire? Right. Well, we were talking about before we hopped on here, and you've already mentioned it, the, the collaborative nature and also the adaptiveness of Kodonecki. Any good offensive coordinator is going to be willing to adapt to the quarterback, to the weapons. 
I, I think to the opposite, what, what didn't work this year is uh, Dan Enos at Arkansas, where he forced KJ Jefferson to, you know, be this pocket style quarterback and it just didn't work. And he inevitably got fired. This is a situation where it's seemingly that Kolonecki is going to make adjustments. They're not going to try and use Drew Allar in any shape or form the way that they used Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels because they're running speed option. They're running triple option type uh, um, concepts in this in this offense. Drew Allar, we know, is not built to do that. He's a good athlete. He's a tremendous athlete. He's got a great arm. I would hope that they would try not to do that. And I also think James Franklin would be very quick to veto and say, no, we are not running a speed option. Uh, with Penn State versus Rutgers. There were a fair amount of QB <laughs> draws in that game that ticked me off. Yeah. Right. And they need to, you know, use him to the full effectiveness. And that doesn't mean that they can't utilize some read option. And that stuff is going to work well with Drew Aller because he's got a big frame. He's got good long speed. He's a strong athlete for the modern quarterback. But he should be excited because we saw the production for Jalen Daniels, who was a three star whose arm is not nearly as big as Drew Allars. He should be excited about this opportunity to take that next step and play in an offense that is going to enable him to succeed. The only drawback maybe is from a preparation for the NFL. This is a simplified offense. One of the, the priorities for Kotelnicki's offense is eliminating and simplifying decision-making and stuff like that. Yes, RPOs are in the NFL, but that's only the simple drawback from being in this offense. I'm not trying to put anything out there, but I mean, Chip did go to Philly and clean house of talent. He was great off as a man. Like you talk about adjusting, right. just adjusting look different ways. So maybe I'm just a little, because I, th- I, I like the stuff that he does at Kansas, right? Like I really do. And I just from maybe coming from a personnel standpoint on how I kind of look at the scope of it. I mean, I just like what he, I like what he, I like what he does on the offensive side. I like his creativity, um, the movement of the offensive line when they're doing different things. It makes me wonder, like, has the offensive line from Phil Troutline, are they going to be able to move the way that they did um, in Kansas? Because I feel like they, like, made do with smaller offensive linemen, right? Like, mm. everything that made their offense so uh, creative was based on deficiencies. So, like, my thing is, like, if you're good at making great meals with scraps, like, do you know how to make meals or do you value making meals with top-notch quality um, ingredients? So th- that's just my my thought process with that. But I, I I agree with you, Joe. Like, I mean, moving forward with the with this coach, and I want to see what they do on the other side of football. Transfer portal opens on December 4th. Uh, I do want to go to the comments section here a bit, Justin. I think this one's probably more in your wheelhouse and that, you know, the consensus is, oh, man, this feels like Manny Diaz of the offense here. Manny Diaz, as James Franklin likes to refer to him, as the head coach of the defense. And James Franklin wants a head coach of the offense. And the consensus here in the chat, um, this one from Gravy, um, now let's pay Manny and 2024 looks bright. That's a great subject to bring up because – it's been reported recently, I believe, by Nicole Auerbach, is that uh, Duke is eyeing Manny Diaz to potentially be their new head coach now that Elko is off to Texas A&M. So, uh, Justin, in terms of what you're hearing and what you're feeling about the situation, would Manny Diaz jump or would Manny Diaz potentially be back? I mean, I think is you, you never know, right? But I can give the comparison to maybe when he says he found his new Manny Diaz, I would disagree with that because Manny Diaz came from being the head coach at Miami, Florida. And the first thing that happened when Manny Diaz got on the campus was players coming to me and talk about how like 
the type of guy he was, right? Like when coming up again from that player standpoint, dealing with players in Miami or however you recruit, regardless of the success that he had, it's a level of that talent management and being able to connect with the players. And that was one thing that they all voiced to me where it was like, this dude's the best. We'll run through a wall for him. And that's why you kind of seen that seamless transition from Brent Pry to um, uh, Manny Diaz. But with that being said, I think it comes down to the, the right fit for someone like Manny because he's been a head coach. I don't think he goes into a program where uh, the, the commitment is less than the expectation. And I think Duke is a spot that's good for him, but he has the leverage. And if I'm Penn State, I'm throwing everything at him to keep him here to make that um, championship run next year, kind of like the Rams did, like F those picks. You know what I'm saying? Like throw it all in. Let's get after it. <laughs> um, Paul in the chat completely agrees with you. Time will tell. So uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, here's a comment from Hesaria. Uh, would this hire potentially tick off Jawan Sider and Ty Howell, who were the co-offensive coordinators, Jawan Sider, the running backs coach, Ty Howell, the tight ends coach? Justin, what do you think? That, I think, is a, a real a real situation in the sense of anytime that you're calling plays or you get a chance to kind of drive the test drive the car a little bit and someone takes it away from you from the time that I've seen that happen, the guys that were up for the offense coordinator job when Ricky Ronnie got in and got promoted from within Josh Gaddis and Charles Huff were the next hot guys up. And when people know that those offensive coaches or even bright coaches are up and coming, like they're going to try to prime away because it's a competitive advantage. So with that being said, Jay Warren is, revered in the recruiting space i think the last two games the development that he showed from just a play calling standpoint puts him in a different frame he's been able to develop players been able to get players so i guess what i'm saying he's going to be a hot name on the market i think it's going to come down to choosing someone like a j1 or keeping a, a manny diaz because i think the you know the vultures are going to come in trying to pull someone like j1 away using the fact that like hey what are you going to do there you're, you're not getting developed he skipped over you right because like that's what what happened in the coaching recruiting circles because that's another part of the talent acquisition process is off the field and say hello to a stressless holiday season with the help of hello fresh skip the grocery store and save time with easy tasty recipes delivered right to your door justin here in philadelphia the lines were crazy in the lead up to thanksgiving at the, at the grocery store and i am very very thankful to have this entire circumstance we do with hello fresh they've been great partners and to have healthy inexpensive and awesome meals shipped right to my door it takes all the hassle out of the holidays the one thing i cannot stand is going to the grocery store or here in pittsburgh going to the strip district around thanksgiving you have to fight for turkeys you have to fight for stuffing you have to fight for all your food that you want to prepare so having this partnership with hello fresh and having your ingredients and food delivered to your doorstep in the holiday season gives you more time this uh, gives you more time to cherish your moments with your family and enjoy the holiday weekend there's no need to fight. There really is no need to fight. HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-on items to choose from every week, so it's easier than ever to find something everyone will enjoy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LionFree and use code LionFree, that's L-I-O-N-F-R-E-E, -E, for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash LionFree with code LionFree. That's L-I-O-N-F-R-E-E. -E. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And especially coming off of how the offensive play calling and execution looked in the win against Michigan State, 
Is it a possibility? Sure, but we you've known Cider a long time, Ty Howells, that those are team guys very loyal to the program. Sure. Uh, Joe, I want to pivot here to some questions here in the chat about the wide receiver group. How will this hire impact the wide receiver group? And then another question here, will Kotal Nicky get involved before during bowl preparations for the game itself? A, a couple layers to this, Joe, is that by making this – they're making the Yursich firing the day after you lose to Michigan, two games remaining in the season. That's a decision to get ahead of the transfer portal timeline. Now you bring in Kotal Nicky, you're even further ahead of that. So now you can fully present yourself. And let's not forget, Penn State's already put out commitment offers or offers to come to Penn State to uh, an offensive tackle, Alan Heron from Shorter University, and the wide receiver, Jamori Macklin at North Texas. So we talk about. Guys coming from small universities to big universities, does that work? Does that not work? But mm. the fact that they're already targeting a wide receiver in the portal is encouraging, I think, for Penn State fans. Is he the right fit? That remains to be seen. But is this a situation where you think Kotal Nicky could get you know blood from the proverbial stone because this was not the most productive group this year? Or does he see something in the Malik Macklins, the, uh, you know, if Keandre Lambert Smith is back, I believe he has more eligibility. Uh, there's plenty of other guys, Caden Saunders, Amari Evans, who shined against Michigan state. You know, how would you feel? Yeah. I think that looking at how things were at Kansas, there necessarily isn't, um, an elite receiver amongst the group kind of, as we've been talking about here, that there's not this elite level of talent that has been grown and, and developed. So I don't think he necessarily needs to go and get a top receiver, but I think that they still need to. I don't think that playing in the Big 12 is such a different style of football than playing in the Big 10. You you need to be able to win those close matchups against Michigan and Ohio State. You're going to still be able to blow past the middle and the back end of the conference. But in order to win those games that Penn State could not get over the hump and frankly their offense completely disappeared, they are going to need to go and attract some receiver talent. And I think that ultimately it should be attractive for any receiver uh receivers that are in the portal right now to acknowledge the situation of one you have the opportunity to play for a really creative offensive coordinator but I don't see how most of the top receivers if they're recruiting them aren't excited about this opportunity to play for Drew Allar to look and see what he did as a whole look at the games that he had against um he talked about Michigan State he played pretty well against Iowa he played great against Illinois there were a bunch of games where he looked like the first round pick caliber player that he could be those receivers should be excited about this opportunity and I think that they definitely without a doubt need to uh, you know dip their toe in and try and get in the mix for some of the top receivers amongst the group one of the things I think is interesting here Joe is that at Kansas Kotal Nicky was known especially for a lot of creativity but especially in the running game and while the running game was good this year it wasn't as great as I think people thought it would be Katron Allen seemed to fit this year's offensive scheme a lot better and Justin has articulated it very well is that he can take that hop step from right off the quarterback's hip take the handoff take an RPO if necessary and he can dance in between the tackles he's got very quick bursts he doesn't have that straight ahead speed that Nick Singleton does but he was very very productive this year in the way the offense was coordinated and then on the flip side, Nick Singleton, some would say regressed. Some would say it wasn't as productive of a season as it was in uh, 2022, which I think is fair from a statistical standpoint. James Franklin argues he's improved as a pass catcher, as a blocker in different capacities mm -hmm. of the game. In your opinion, does Kotal Nicky's offense benefit 
the the explosive Nick Singleton who can beat you in a 100-yard dash, or does it benefit a Catron Allen who is more a between-the-tackles guy? This was one of the things that when this news broke that I think I got the most excited about was thinking about the the run game possibilities. And as I just said a second ago, the Big Ten, you know, you you win and die by the run game in the Big Ten, and that's the style of play that you need to be able to uh, to excel at. As we saw when when Michigan beat Ohio State, it was because they ran the ball better than them. And I think, frankly, I don't think that Nick Singleton regressed. I think that he was improperly used, and it makes sense why Yersich was fired because they have all these weapons, they have all these tools at other positions outside of receiver that weren't properly set up in a position to succeed. And I think that Catron Allen, yes, he works great for that downhill, multiple tight end set style of offense between tackles style of offense. It didn't really fit with what Nick, Nick Singleton's going to succeed at. I still see a guy who's worthy of being a top 100, maybe even top 50 pick. When I see that speed and I see that burst, I think that this is perfect for Nick Singleton because I see some shades of Devin Neal in what Nick Singleton does. Devin Neal was a very um, elusive and flexible running back that has tremendous burst and long speed, great patient vision. I know that Singleton needs to improve on that, but I love what he has as uh, it brings to the table as an athlete. And I think as this offense is going to be built around attacking space, um, using space to uh, put your the opposing defense in a difficult position, Singleton should be the one who flourishes in this situation. Justin, what do you think about that? I think he should if he's used correctly, right? Because even when we talk about that, I mean, their production or first year worked well with your such offense in the sense of like they both were very productive in terms of uh, in terms of Nick Singleton making his explosive runs in terms of in terms of Catron Allen making his in between the tackle type runs, but like just seeing his two back system that he runs with his is similar to like the go go offense that Brendan Marion runs in the sense of using those two backs and like how they use them. I think Nick is better suited for the offense in the sense of if their pre- if their focus is going to be to get into space and like guys, I mean Nate is a, I mean Nick is a extremely powerful high horse powered running back where you talk about a one touch guy. So like getting in space is always to his benefit, right? So the things that we said, I mean even what Joe said, I don't think if he regressed, I think we just I think I said that earlier, but I think some of his weakness the weaknesses in his game were shown, right? Because there were some areas where like okay. I don't think Nick is extremely elusive, to be completely honest. I think I think he's explosive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he can make people miss in a in a tight area or take care of that one defender if he's not on edges. And I think, but I think Andy does a good job with getting players in space and on edges and having that benefit to their their back to be able to make explosive plays. But I think, I mean, K Tron's a, a Sunday type of guy, and I think Nick. I think Nick is too, and it's just some things that he has to continue to do with running with between in between the tackles to um, really take himself, I guess, to a top hundred type of guy. Because even when we think of running backs that catch the ball in the backfield or just space guys, now we're thinking of guys like Alvin Kamara. Now I'm thinking of like Saquon Barkley. Like Saquon's a that's a space guy in my brain, right? Like because he couldn't really run between the tackles, and he was as loose of his. He could. Everybody don't kill me. Like at Penn State, between tackles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some stuff. But the, like, the offense, no. But the point you're making, the offense with Saquon understood spacing, understood the the half bat stretch, the the counter, the toss to the outside. That was more the bread and butter than it was right. Miles Sanders, for instance, who's just different execution. Different execution, but I mean, very good backs at the same time. And so if he figures out a way, figures out a way to keep the 
defense on their heels while they're getting punched in the mouth. And now you got to get in space and try to tackle a Nick Singleton. Yeah. Now you're, that's how you would want to use these two running backs. So I agree with Joe in the sense that when I did see the hire from Andy, I mean, Andy getting hired, I was most excited about the running backs and the production and the weapons that they bring into that offense. Here's one thing I want to throw out there. So not just Catron Allen and Nick Singleton, and I think it's something that maybe we've glossed over altogether because those two are – it's top-heavy in that respect. If if I'm not mistaken, again, the COVID stuff really messes you up in terms of understanding eligibility. So, but Trey Potts is listed as redshirt senior, not a redshirt senior plus. I think he has another year of eligibility. Would I be correct on that? I think he does. What year? What recruiting class was he? Oh, he God. was 18. 18? Don't quote 18 or 19. Don't, I, I right? want to say 19. Say, yeah, it started in 2019 at Rutgers. 19. DJU. I think DJU, DJU Younglele was a 2018 kid. So he might be, he might have that extra year if he chooses to come back. Uh, yes. I think was DJ 18 or nine. Was he nine? Was DJ 19? DJ feels like he's 47 at this point. He's been uh, it's he was impossible a, he was a big, to keep up. He was, a, he was a big time. He was a big time recruit coming out. <laughs> he was. So the, the point I was driving at, so Trey Potts had some bursts this year. And then on top of that, you have other running backs in terms of the two freshmen, Wallace and Montgomery, that there's some excitement about. Now, Justin, you're more privy to what's going on in the program than I. And let's not rule out your cousin, Tank Smith, who at one point had the longest rush of the season and about halfway through the year, he was doing all right. So is this an offense that could go even deeper into that depth chart? I mean... You see what the freshmen come in, like what they're going to look like. But I don't know how much deeper you go. You have there's a level of talent management that comes along with this. Like these guys have to get the ball, right? Like these oh, are two prime guys. Like, out, of course. You know what I mean? But even Trey, like he's come in and he made the most of his touches last year from just an efficiency standpoint. And again, him being a, a mature running back, that's critical. I don't know if the young guys get too many touches besides just a philosophical approach from James working those guys in so that they have an ability to build depth throughout the season, but um, I don't think there should be a focus on it, to be honest. Joe? Yeah, I'm kind of in that, you know, that same thought that that Justin has there and, you know, trying to incorporate some of these, these younger players, but at, at the same, at the same time, I kind of, I, I feel like Colton Eckie is one of those coaches that is digging deep within his roster, not in the sense that like he's going down to the fourth or fifth running back frequently, but these types of offenses, these RPO offenses and, and playing in the Big 12, you need to be able to rotate a lot of players. So I certainly think that that's on the table for uh, for them to eventually do. But the big thing, again, to focus on here is the fact that they have these two tremendous running backs that kind of mirror what Kansas had this past year. Both Katron Allen and Nick Singleton mirror what Kansas had this past year that I think could end up leading to uh, significant success for Penn State trying to run the football in 2024. Chris jumping in the chat here, and we did kind of touch on this a little bit before. The tight ends and running backs are talented. Do you think Colt Nicky will utilize them in different ways and mold the offense into elite status? Uh, I think we kind of touched on that before, but the the positive, I think, for Penn State fans to take away from this is this is a offensive coordinator who has a history of being adaptable to personnel 
And one thing that James Franklin has talked about is trying to have a more collaborative approach when it comes to the offense. And he has a track record of being receptive to ideas from all different parts of the staff. So I think there is a fit from a human being standpoint there, which is really important. Now the big question is going to be, Justin, kind of like you hit on with Manny Diaz, is that culturally, interpersonally, he fit. He picked up where Brent Pry left off. I, I can't say I have a really good feel for how Mike Yursich was as a human being, but Colt Nicky, uh, Kotal Nicky, I got to get used to saying that name now. Uh, <laughs> could it's a he tough be, one to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we went from Yursich. To- <laughs> That's why I kept saying, you heard me saying Andy. I was like, Andy. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Prabula for most of this. <laughs> yeah, I got oh both. Yeah, oh, and, and then you also, easy. The, you also got Keandre Lambert Smith, which is a mouthful to even say. Like, you guys are, I can't even imagine trying to do this show on a weekly basis. That's not to distract. <laughs> Luckily, there's no names on the backs of the jerseys. So you just go by numbers. Yeah. It's nice yeah, and there easy. you go. But, uh, yeah. Justin, uh, final thoughts on this hire because I, there's, a, there's a sense of positivity. I think there's plenty of average fans who are going to be like, I don't know who this guy is. But honestly, when you look into him a little bit, there's a lot to be excited about. I think there is, right? Even the things that I brought up were just, where I'm just looking at profiles of coach where I'm like, all right, let me keep my eyes on this when it comes from the personnel standpoint, because that's where I, I stick with a lot of times. But I mean, I saw a picture of him uh, from Andy and I really got excited. He was taking, he had his shirt off on a recruiting visit. He had his shirt off all with his alignment. He was like, flex it. I was like, okay, uh, you have to be pretty confident, have a little bit of chari- <laughs> uh, charismatic qualities to do that. So like, you know, I like, we're quarter, I mean, offensive coordinators. I like guys that are extremely confident, borderline arrogant in the sense of like, hey, what are we going to do? We're going to draw up. And I, from the things that I've seen, he's shown that. And even from the clips of the offense that, he's put on the field. I mean, it's exciting stuff. Like everything that I'm bringing up are just kind of the red flags on the end. Like, cause when you get guys that are able to orchestrate, sometimes they devalue the individual player and that's just human nature of coaching. So, well, uh, it's like I said, in the, time will tell though. That's my answer. Time will tell. And it's time like I said, tell. after the Michigan state game is this upcoming season, 2024, I'm not getting overly excited about anything. It's prove it. Because this year was so much hype, so much expectation, so much buzz. Uh, the next year is about proving it. So I will put that there. Joe, thank you sincerely for joining us on very short notice. It's a, a proverbial emergency podcast. So once again, Penn State's new offensive coordinator is Andy Kotelnicki from Kansas. Uh, we will have more on that in the coming weeks. I want to thank you all so much for joining us live here and hopping in the comments section on State of State. Enjoy your Thursday evening. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by BetOnline. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.